Warning, Family Ties Positive Vibes may or may not contain any positive vibes. However, it is sure to contain three members of the family trying their best. Welcome to Family Ties Positive Vibes, a podcast about our lives and the nonsense behind all of it. I'm one of your three wonderful co-hosts, Michael Summers. And I'm Linnell Summers. I'm another one of your three wonderful co-hosts. Some call me John Summers. Michael? Yeah, yeah, John? So, last week, when we recorded our last podcast. Yeah? You had a song of the week. And we didn't touch on it much back then, but what was that? Uh, my song of the week from last week, which was actually, we recorded it two weeks ago. We had to look this back up because I forgot what I said. I, I picked Eddie Morton's I'm a Member of the Midnight Crew. Do we want to play another sample of that to remind everyone? We want to play another sample. Here you go. I hate a moral coward, one who lacks the manly spark. I just detest a man afraid to go home in the dark. I always spend my evenings where this woman wine and song. But like a man, I always bring my little wife along. I'm a member of the Midnight Crew. I'm a night owl and a wise bird too. Home with the milk in the morning. So, an odd pick, I will say, for our songs of the week. Sure. Why do you know that? And why did you have it in your head for us that time? Well, the short version is it's a fantastic song and everyone should hear it at least once because it gives you a brand new appreciation for what people sang like over a century ago. Recorded in 1909, that's correct, yeah. Yeah, the long version of the story is I read Homestuck on the internet. I'm so sorry. Go on. No, that's really it. It's it's a song that was popularized because fans of the webcomic Homestuck are all bizarre and they found that song, and they liked it. Some fans did like it, and it was just that? Yeah, and I was one of those fans. All right. It is an interesting song, and I am impressed that you chose that for your song of the week. I kind of have to force myself to pick something even stranger than the last song I picked. That way I'm never going to accidentally double up on songs. Okay, okay. So what if we find out your song of the week for this week? Wait, wait. Wait. We need to play the jingle. Okay, go. (laughs) My song of the week this week is the song Flyers by the Japanese pop group Radio. Okay, you're going to need to explain this one too. I don't trust you anymore. <laughs> um, this song was used as the opening theme for an anime called Death Parade, which is very complicated to explain. Death Parade sounds a little dark. It's not, it doesn't have anything to do with parades. It does have a bit to do with death. It's about the afterlife and people being judged if they're going to heaven or the other place. Sounds a little dark. Okay. The actual show isn't important to the song. It has very little to do with the song itself. I just like the song. I suppose that's how most anime music goes, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay, well then, John, tell us about your song of the week. My song of the week this time is Megalovania. (laughs) 
artist. The artist is Sir Toby Fox. He's not a knight. He is not a knight, but I respect him as such. Toby Fox is best known as the creator of the video game Undertale, such a revolutionary piece of media that it was given as a gift to the Pope. Toby Fox made this song. He's repurposed this song many times. He originally created it many years ago in something called a ROM hack of a game from before this century that were in Earthbound. The way video games worked back then is that you couldn't really play notes. You couldn't just compose a song and then play it in the game. You had to take sound samples. So he took all of the sound samples from all of the other music in that game, and he jerry-rigged and crafted his own Frankensteinian monster. And it is fantastic, and I love it, and every time I hear it, I do honestly feel very excited. That song has appeared in almost every piece of work that Toby Fox has made, ranging from his video game Undertale to, interestingly enough, Homestuck again. That song was in Homestuck. Yeah, it was because you actually brought up Homestuck earlier today that I decided, oh, this should be my song of the week. I had a different one prepared, and then you said that. Yeah, it turns out any, half of anything John and I ever say that's related to the internet, you can probably find a way to connect it to Homestuck. I mean, you can probably connect anything to Homestuck on the internet, given enough degrees of separation. Yeah, anyways, Mom, what's your song of the week? Okay, my song of the week is not going to be weird. So I chose a very normal song. At least I think it's normal. It's probably boring. Um, but it's one of those that keeps popping in my head, and I have to say its roots lie in my Josh Groban playlist, but it has nothing to do with Josh Groban except that it is by Celine Dion, and Josh Groban did a duet with Celine Dion once. But this is her... Um, her solo for Beauty and the Beast, and it, the song is called How Does a Moment Last Forever? How does a moment last forever? How can a story never die? It is love we must hold on to Never easy, but we try Sometimes our happiness is captured Somehow a time and place then stay Love lives on How does a moment last forever, Mom? Well, I think maybe if you partner up with a beast and make a Disney movie, it could last forever. All right. Certainly everyone remembers the movie. Was this song in the live-action remake, or was this in the original? I'm going to say yes on the live-action remake, because I'm... I believe Emma Watson... Yes. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. She's the star, or she shows up in the video where Selena's singing. So I'm pretty oh, yeah, sure that's yeah. A, it's that one. Yes, yeah. I've I've never actually watched the live action remake of Beauty and the Beast. I've seen a few scenes. I'm not for it really. I prefer the original, and I do just want to bring up for Beauty and the Beast. It's a little strange how in the beginning of the movie she's going about her day. She needs to get some errands done, and then everyone in the town starts singing about how strange and yet so very pretty she is. Look at that strange, pretty girl walking through our town. I mean, you gotta introduce character in a musical somehow. Yeah, I suppose. And now for a word from our sponsor. A&W! Root beer, it's tasty. We didn't actually look up anything new about A&W root beer this week. We just like A&W root beer, and we're always going to talk about it because it's great. We are. So, Michael, tell us about one of your favorite experiences drinking A&W root beer. One of my favorite experiences drinking A&W root beer was in high school, where I was chugging a two-liter bottle of root beer from start to finish out of spite just so no one else could have it. Two liters? Oh, my 
Were you like in a parking lot or something? Was this at a party? No, I was in a classroom. Okay. Tell us about the belt that came afterwards. It was incredible. Thank you for asking. Did you hurt your throat, sir? No, no. I was just a different person in high school. You just had a thin film, okay. I enjoyed root beer too much to share it with anyone else. And by God, I was going to finish two liters in one sitting. I just took the bottle, uncapped it, turned it upside down into my mouth. I'm pantomiming the action right now to all of you who can't see it right now. Straight up above my head, and I just in one take drank the entire thing. Judging by your pantomimes, those are impressive. That That is impressive. Yeah, and I and didn't regret it at all until I had to go to the bathroom like three classes later. Yeah, I'm pretty sure actually the human stomach only holds like two and a half liters at most. <laughs> Not counting all the acid already inside of it. Yeah, so anyways, I had to pee really badly that day. I can imagine. Yeah. Well, A&W, we love ya. So on this episode of the, our wonderful podcast, we wanted to talk about hypothetical questions. Questions that you may have asked yourself at one point in your life, but never actually thought you'd get an answer to. Mom, you were looking up some interesting articles on online, and you found some stuff that you think we should read out to everyone here. Well, I subscribe to an email newsletter by Katie Couric. And I was flipping through it a few days ago, and one of the things that caught my attention, I usually skim through it really fast because I don't have time to click on the articles, and by the time I see this, I've usually found out whatever it was about anyway. But at the bottom of her newsletter, something caught my eye, and it said, how to outrun a dinosaur. And I thought, ooh, that sounds interesting, and I clicked on it, and it was a fabulously interesting article about how to outrun a Tyrannosaurus Rex which apparently is possible, not by speed. You've got to be a little uh, strategic because the Tyrannosaurus Rex definitely being bigger than you can run faster than you, but it's not very maneuverable. So it was really interesting to read. But then I started Googling to, because if you could outrun a dinosaur, what else can you outrun? I just not not that creative. So I started to type how to outrun and all these fabulously interesting things kept popping up in the Google. So like how to outrun a bear, what do you think? I think it's entirely possible, but I've always heard the sentence, you don't need to outrun the bear, you need to outrun your friend. I personally believe, regarding how bears are, they are naturally able to climb, they are naturally able to run fast, and they are big and strong and heavy, so outrunning something else might be your best bet. Yeah, because the advice on the internet is, you can't outrun a bear, don't try. So just lay there and let it maul you. Um... Oh yeah, you're supposed to like just play dead, right? I think sometimes that works. You know, I didn't dig any deeper into this. What are you supposed to do? I just wanted to find out if you could or not. And the advice of the internet is, you can't. Good to know. You also found what is arguably my favorite article of all time now. And as soon as you, as soon as you showed me this article, I had to send it to all my friends so okay. they could read it as well. Ezra Dyer, I think is how they, you pronounce their name wrote an article, how fast does your car need to be to outrun a cop? Okay, Michael, we're dying to know, please tell us. It's an important question, time sensitive, please. I think it's funny because I just realized they don't have a quantifiable answer. 
they don't say like your car needs to be this fast. What they did was they picked a handful of different kinds of cars, ranging from the average kind of car you might see on like a high-speed police chase on television. Okay, that would be like what? Like cops. Their example in this was the Toyota Yaris IA. Okay, so that's a small car. That would be like a college kid driving that. Yeah, uh, I quote, We included the Yaris IA as a baseline, a representative of the caliber of hardware that you'd normally see in a police chase. The car they were using, the police car, catches the Yaris in three seconds. Don't try and use this vehicle. Okay, so if I'm going to outrun the cops, I won't be doing it in a Toyota Yaris. Now, for some other baselines, they have a Ferrari. Okay, that, that seems like I could outrun a cop in a Ferrari. Where their verdict is the rich get away with everything. Of course. A Chevrolet Camaro SS1LE. Okay, that was a hot car back when I was a teenager, so how And about... it's arguably still a hot car now. Okay, so how is that car in outrunning the police? It's fast, and you're going to do dumb, dangerous things in it. The verdict is, you'll probably go to jail, but not for this. <laughs> okay. Well then. And the last car that they had in this lineup was the Volkswagen Golf GTI. Okay. Which is slower than a cop car. However, it does turn much better. So if you are on a windy road, you might have a chance? It's entirely possible. If, like, it's a windy road, there's a fork in the road, if you got a six-second lead and maybe a lucky coin toss, you might be able to get away from the cop. You'd better hope that the chase takes you through an autocross course. <laughs> okay. You know, we might have to um, phone up my uncle. I believe I have an uncle who has a really great police evasion story from his youth that would be fantastically interesting to have on record. Oh yeah, we absolutely need to phone that in. Okay, on a future episode, we may have some a guest to share an interesting story. Yeah, we gotta at least try and get that uh, on recording so we have it forever. Okay, so then what do you think about how fast can a crocodile move and can you outrun him? 25 miles an hour, probably not, however, they're low-lying creatures, they're swamp things, probably get up in the tree. I think if its mouth isn't open yet, it's very easy to pin their mouth shut. You can actually just hold them closed with one hand and they're unable to open their mouths. With one hand? Yeah, yeah. that's entirely possible. That's actually how like alligator and crocodile wrestling works. If you have their mouth, like their jaw is closed, you can easily keep it pinned closed. The downside is if their mouth is opened, they have an extremely powerful ability to snap their jaw closed. They put all of their strength in closing it, not in opening it, because opening the mouth doesn't do much to kill things. So they will absolutely destroy you if they bite down on you, but if they haven't gotten to that point yet, you might be able to pin its mouth closed and tie it shut and then be able to run off. Okay, so if the alligator or the crocodile has not begun running yet, that might be a good option. However, if crocodile is coming towards you, best advice here, this is genius, you'll never guess what this is, run away. (laughs) (laughs) And some people say run in a zigzag pattern. I suppose they are better at shooting in little spurts forward. 
Well, this says the American crocodile can get up to 20 miles per hour, which is definitely faster than I can run. Um, but the advice here is run in a straight line because for you that is faster and getting away is more important. Uh, mm. You're going to be slowed down by trying to be evasive. So they're saying run in a straight line, and I guess I hope you have a good head start. So run in a straight line unless you have the option available that a zigzag will prevent you in immediate escape. Maybe, depending on the terrain, if you two are like facing off towards each other and there's nothing else blocking you, you run straight towards it and hope that it doesn't have a good turnaround time. Hmm. So you run at it and then around it. So then it has to turn around before it can start chasing you. If I'm imagining a crocagator, I'm imagining it moves like a tank does, which is it's able, it doesn't turn, but it's able to rotate in place. Yeah, that seems kind of like how I see like lizards move, and like they're they're both reptiles. They're basically the same animal. Yeah, Li- the the little geckos we see out on our porch and crocodiles are one hundred percent the same animal. And I think using that knowledge, you should just run straight at it and then past it. Okay, back up a bit. One hundred percent the same animal. They're one hundred percent the same animal. I'm not exaggerating in the least. The crocodile just had a little more time to develop. It's just older. That's why it's bigger. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm not buying that. Good uh, because I was lying the entire time. <laughs> as was I. Yes. You see what I live with here? Okay, so <laughs> what if you find yourself around a snake? <laughs> Should you outrun the snake? Well, most snakes don't try and chase people down, I don't think. Snakes are actually predators, and usually they're pretty good about deciding, actually, that thing is big and also probably faster than me. It's, it's probably not worth it. Okay. But go on about the snake. Uh, well, the advice here is that most snakes will give you some warning that they are there, because apparently they don't. I don't know. This must be if they're not hungry. Yeah, I would think, like... If you started running, I think you'd be more likely to startle the snake into trying to bite you. Yeah. I think if a snake gives you warning that it's there, you want to back away slowly. Given my knowledge of the Boy Scouts and what they do, that is exactly right. Well, I've been told in reading like some of the oil field literature, because the oil fields can get hot and sunny and uh, they will encounter snakes that are out sunning themselves. Um, that walking around and running is good because the snakes feel the vibration in the earth so they know that you're there and they're less likely to be startled. Mm -hmm. You might be startled when you find them. But um, yes, I can tell you from experience, one time I was on a run and I did encounter a snake and I can tell you that rush of adrenaline does make you run fast. Okay, so how about one more here, running from a tornado. What do you think about running from a tornado? Can you outrun one? I think you're already doomed if you're at the point where you think you need to run away from a tornado. Why would that be? Because it's probably big and close enough. Tornado big, tornado fast, tornado suck. Okay, the average tornado moves at 30 miles per hour. How fast can you run? Maybe 10. Uh, On a good day, uh, seven miles an hour. 
Okay. I got bad legs. Turns out when most people say they're running from a tornado, they mean that they hop in their car and try to outdrive it. So logically speaking, seem like a good idea? Well, that seems like a much better idea. I know you can outdrive a tornado. There are some people, though, who drive into the tornado. They're called storm chasers. Well, they try and drive near them, but not like directly into it. Oh, well, I think the real purists, yes, they do drive into them. Did you not watch that movie about storm chasers? Nope. Mom, you got me a map made by storm chasers once. Did I? Yeah, it was hanging on my wall for a while. Then I realized, wait, I need to move. And then I don't think I brought it with me. Okay, well, uh, apparently the average tornado moves at about 30 miles per hour. So yes, if you hopped in your car and you had a road facing away from the tornado, you'd probably be fine. However... A tornado has been clocked at going 73 miles per hour. Apparently that's the fastest on record. That's a fast NATO. So you, if you were still going directly away from it, you could still possibly outdrive that, but it'd be tough. And there might be traffic. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes, I believe that was the example of a tornado in Oklahoma City on May 31, 2013. So unfortunately, people were not able to outrun it because they couldn't get off the interstate and it was backed up going you know, bumper to bumper. Um, I think a few people passed away in that one. Yeah, that's a bad storm to be caught in. John, you've got a sheet of paper there that you've been marking up this entire podcast. Yeah, uh, I had the opportunity to and I just haven't jumped in yet. Uh, What to do and not to do if you cross paths with a moose. Should you run? (laughs) Uh, As it turns out, yes. A moose? Mooses? Moose eye? Just a singular moose. Now... Moose are most aggressive in the summertime and when mothers are protecting their young and all that. You will know if a moose is angry at you if their fur on their butt is pointed upward. I think in most cases, mooses... And also if they're licking their mouths while looking at you or their noses. Yeah, I think they like letting people know when they're upset at them. When a moose is on the loose, here's how to save your goose. Don't bring your dog. Don't let your dog get near the moose. Do not let your dog interact with the moose. Take your dog away from the moose. Don't make eye contact. Don't make any signs of aggression. It says here that dogs charged by moose often run back to their owners, which puts the human at danger of being trampled. Moose have poor eyesight, which also makes them dangerous sometimes. If you startle a moose, confuse it, or when you're walking with the dog, the moose cannot discern very well and may just charge at whatever is moving the dog, or you. So, give the moose space and say, oh no, not messing with you. They'll appreciate you saying that. Do they speak English? No, but they're able to understand the meaning sometimes. So what am I supposed to say again? Oh no, not messing with you. Okay. (laughs) Take that and memorize it. Let's see. Uh, I already told you about the butt hair. It's butt hair? Are you sure? Like how the hair will stand on end. One of the clearest signs a moose might attack is when the long hairs on its hump. Sorry, I meant it might not be bump. I may have misread that as rump. When the long hairs on its hump, its hackles are raised. It might pin its ears back and lick its snoot. Those are signs that you're too close, and also it'll probably stomp and grunt. Okay, so oh, if so you like see those languages, yeah. yes. If you see those signs, should you stick around and find out if it's bluffing? I don't think a moose is ever bluffing. I've never heard a story about a moose bluffing. Do you know how big a moose is? Moose They're is, big. Moose usually doesn't have to bluff. It doesn't like to play poker anyway. Moose are megafauna. They will mess you up. Let's see. If charged by a moose, know that they can run over 30 miles per hour. 
You cannot outrun a moose in an open field. Instead, you should zigzag, run behind trees, try to climb some terrain, use any and every advantage you can to get away from this moose. I'm kind of guessing that terrain would slow me down more than it would slow the moose down. That's horrifying because that means a moose can probably outrun a tornado. Oh, God. (laughs) So, if you're in a tornado, maybe hop on the moose. If the moose will let you. I think I'd still rather take my chances with a tornado than a moose. Honestly, yeah. Okay. If I had a if I had a tornado behind me and a moose in front of me and I couldn't go left or right, I think I'd go towards the tornado and hope for the best. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh, a point of advice. Moose know how to swim. So if you think I can get away from this moose by jumping into the river, don't jump in the river. The moose will continue to chase after you. See, that puzzles me. How is a moose such a good swimmer? Because you look at it, and it just doesn't look like it's very flotational. So how does it move so well in the water? It's not really a flotation sort of thing. It's more that it knows how to dive. And that's actually why one of the biggest predators of mooses, and I mean biggest in the space sense, one of the biggest predators of moose is the orca whale. Because if a moose goes in the ocean to eat fish, sometimes the orca whale will get to the moose. Okay, so how close does the orca whale have to come to the shore to get the moose? I mean, I don't know that they go especially far out into the water than the moose do, so I think the orca whale might have to be pretty close to the moose. I've seen videos of mooses, like, swimming in deep rivers. Yeah? Like, they can go completely submerged and then come back up. Yeah. And be okay. fine. There probably aren't any orca whales in rivers. So Luckily, where... probably not. How does the moose encounter the orca whale? Perhaps the ocean. Coastlines, I don't know. Yeah. This might be something we have to research. Maybe our next podcast episode will be all about mooses. I'd be fine with that. Is that the plural of a moose? Mooses? Moose <laughs> We don't even know the proper grammar. Oh, yes, and here's what to do if you do end up attacked by a moose. Okay. Play dead. Okay. It all, And also, it says in the article here, it says, uh, suggest that your backpack can be a good shield. This assumes you have a backpack. This also assumes that the moose is afraid of your backpack. But any buffer between you and that moose, the hoof or whatever it's going to wield against you, is probably good. Probably anything you can use to, like, keep it from directly hitting you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even if it's not much, if it's already charging at you, you might be desperate. Yes. Okay, so play dead. Do not make yourself big. Make yourself dead. (laughs) Do not make yourself big. Make yourself away from there or dead. Yes. Yes. Okay, so best advice, don't get close to a moose. Mm-hmm. Okay, then. Last one here that I did find, okay, I I thought this was rather clever. When I was uh, looking for things that you can outrun, it um, asked... From all the things that we've been talking about, what can I outrun? Because it doesn't sound like there's a lot. Okay, this was on the Google in in with all these other things. How do you outrun bees in Animal Crossing? Oh, well, (laughs) the video... You don't. The video game Animal Crossing that we love to play. We've had an episode on it. I think it's episode like seven. You should go and listen to it. Yes, so we play Animal Crossing, and one of the things here in Animal Crossing, you can shake trees because money will fall out. And fruit. Yes, and fruit. Sometimes furniture. I know. In what world would furniture fall out of trees? Only in Animal Crossing. What world does money fall out of trees? Well, yeah, that too. Uh, But 
Here you go. And one of the downsides to shaking a tree in Animal Crossing is you could have a beehive or wasps. This also refers to wasps, but I thought they were bees. Do you have wasps in your version of Animal Crossing? I do. They are wasps in trees in Animal Crossing. Okay. In the very earliest Animal Crossing, they were bees because there wasn't a differentiation there. Uh-huh. Yeah. The localization just didn't think it's the same animal, basically. But in the newer Animal Crossing, because you can catch regular honeybees as well, Okay. they decided to make it more obvious that the aggressive ones that were trying to viciously sting the heck out of you were wasps. Because, let's be honest, that's much more characteristic of wasps than it is bees. Yeah. Also, also, the etymologist got upset, and the entomologist got upset at me. <laughs> that's a little joke about etymology and entomology. Go on. And there's also epidemiology, but that's not about bugs. That's about disease. Okay. Okay, so this says that uh, you should hold the B button to run away until you can't see the wasps anymore. That doesn't work. They follow. I mean... If you get a good head start, you can get off screen, but they will very quickly catch up. They will very quickly get back to where you can see them, and they will not have stopped to find you. And I have found, too, you're kind of sunk if their uh, nest falls into, or hive, whatever you call that. If it falls into a flower or something that's right beside the tree, then um, Mm. even though I have my net out there ready to go down there and get that bee or wasp, whatever it is, um, yeah, if it falls into a bush or something, then I'm sunk. I have to. I get stung. Unf- Nothing I can do. Unfortunately, they make a beeline straight to you. Straight to you. Yeah, and they have a great sound effect. <laughs> they they do make you feel scared when they're chasing you down. They do, but you know what? I have these cool glasses in Animal Crossing, and so you can't see it quite so much. And so then I just try not to talk to the townsfolk because the townsfolk will point it out, but not the lady at the store. What no. is her name? Yeah, she doesn't care. and no, She just likes your business. Yeah. Also, you can buy medicine at the general store to get rid of that if you're concerned. If you're concerned. Or you just save and reopen the file and then you're good as new. Yeah. So Isn't that perfect? Can't do that in the real world. All you need to cure yourself of a bee sting is just take a little nap. No need for EpiPens. Only in Animal Crossing. Yeah. I suppose this is really a world of fulfillment, a, a power fantasy for people who are allergic to wasps. <laughs> I can get stung by them and I'll be fine? I can just nap and I'll be better? Oh, what a world. Man, if I could just nap and have everything be better, my life would be a lot better. I'm trying it. Actually, on the weekends, I my new hobby is napping. So when I can fit it in, I'm taking advantage of it. Uh, so far, I have not seen any positive side effects. No negative, but not the positive that I was hoping for either. Mm-hmm. Rise with the moon, go to bed with the sun. Early to bed and you'll miss all the fun. Bring your wife in trouble, it will never trouble you. Make her a member of the midnight crew. Are there any current recordings of that song? Well, because it is still kind of a a jokey song, Mm There are fans of Homestuck who have recorded new versions of it, mm-hmm. I guess you'd call it, but nothing popular. There is an acapella cover that I do like that I can play for you. Is it by a university glee club? It seems like something no, that it is by... young men in university would get together. This is back in the 20s. There might be. I only know one that was done by... It might have honestly just been one guy recording himself multiple times. 
But it seems like ever since it became popularized in Homestuck, a lot of people have taken to doing some goofy little recordings for it. And that's all the time we have for this episode, because we're trying to go to sleep at a more reasonable time. We well, record these late in the evening. And the early mornings are really important. We've, we've got to get up tomorrow when it's cool, because tomorrow is going to start a trend of 109 degree days. See, I told you we talk about the temperature at least once an episode. It always comes up in one way or another. Well, it's part of our life. It's summer, it's hot, and uh, yeah, that's what we talk about, because... It's important to us and how we live. This, this is... This is... A podcast about our family. It is, yes. And the stuff we deal with. Yes. If we can make it about six more weeks, our evenings will be perfectly comfortable. It'll be nice to go outside again. So I guess we'll have an answer for like if it will be comfortable and in roughly three more episodes. But as for this episode, John, do you have any words of wisdom to, to leave us with? I believe I do. English can be tough, but you can get through it with thorough thought, though. What? It's, I think that's one that's funnier when you read it. Thorough, thought, though. Okay. It's Very tough. similar words. Yeah. And all those O-U-G-H words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's one of those they're all different. It's miserable if you're reading it and probably even worse if you're dyslexic. Yeah. Because they're all completely different sounds with one letter difference between all of them, well, basically. Also, if you're English as a second language, oh, that's... these are those crazy words that make no sense. It's made by three... Drunk Dutch people with a German dictionary. And guess what? We just latched onto those words and kept them. Yeah. Yeah. So we do our best with the language we're given. It'll never make sense completely, but gosh dang, if we don't do the most of it with what we have. Beautiful sentence, Michael. Okay, then. Yeah, that kind of got away from me. I don't know what I was trying to say there. What are we thinking about for the next episode? Uh, 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 I don't know. I kind of Mooses? Oh, yeah. I think we're we doing... wanted to talk about mooses. We're doing an entire episode on mooses. We've been fading this away, right? Uh, you know what? I don't think we're doing mooses. What else did you have going on here? Oh. Random. I just had some getting to know you questions. Cause some, oh. Some hypotheticals as well. But this is more centered towards what you guys would do in a given scenario. Okay. Well, you know, we're wrapping up season one in the next few episodes. So maybe we'll get to know ourselves. Yeah, that would be... You'd think we'd have done the getting to know us questions earlier on in the show, but it's better late than never. We're not that organized. So, you know, if we catch it at the end of the season, we, it's all good. We didn't come in here with a plan. No. Plus, plus, people sometimes don't even start at episode one. They just start at the most recent one. It's possible, yes. So, we, so we're going to need to re-record this getting to know us episode every season. Every Pretty 15 much. episodes, yes. yes. Okay, good to know. Have a nice rest of your day or evening or whatever time it is for whoever's listening right now and we'll see you next time i'm surprised that you're saying goodbye like this because that's not how you've ended any other episode well i mean come on john i'm trying to be nice i don't how do we normally end episodes normally we're just fading this part out and we just kind of keep going until i ask hey is the episode over yet normally you say like a piece of wisdom that actually yeah, I seems wise. wise. I haven't had that for a while, Michael. I was barely able to get through it with the Jerry Springer quotes. It wasn't Jerry Springer. I forgot his name again. Hugh Grant? No, that's <laughs> Will enough. Will Rogers. <laughs> Will Rogers. Okay. <laughs> Hugh Grant is an actor. He played the prime minister in uh, Love Actually. Love Actually. He was also in Three Weddings and a Funeral. 
See, this was much better fading out. The, the, that that was much better for us to fade out on. Were there four weddings? No. Never yes. Mind. There were four weddings and a funeral. Okay.